Welcome to this archived LDN Research Trust conference presentation. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Dr. Nasha Winters, and I'm a naturopathic oncologist practicing and consulting in the United States. I'm here to talk to you today about two therapies that have been near and dear to my heart and that of the folks that I have had the privilege to work with. Most of you are very familiar at this point with low-dose naltrexone, but I have found over the past 15 years a, a really powerful synergy in addition to the low-dose naltrexone of bringing on something known as mistletoe therapy. And the name of my discussion today is Marrying Mistletoe with Low-Dose Naltrexone, Two Powerful Immunomodulating Therapies. So that being said, um, I want to give a little bit of background before I dive into why these therapies are so profound for me and for the clients that I work with. And so this first quote that I talk about here from Simon Sinek says that more information is always better than less. When people know the reason things are happening, even if it's bad news, they can adjust their expectations and react accordingly. Keeping people in the dark only serves to stir negative emotion. I love this quote because I think that sometimes we think that uh, not knowing is a place of safety, but I want you to all have a sense of why this is an urgent need to have conversations around low-dose naltrexone and even mistletoe um, because this, frankly, is our lives and our world depend on it. So let's take a look at the grim statistics for just a moment, okay? Let's look into that darkness before we shed the light. First of all, where we have here is that 40% of all women between the ages of 40 or 50 already have microscopic breast cancer um, tumors. 300% increase since the 1970s on secondary cancers. Thanks, thankfully, because or not thankfully, but thanks to an initial treatment for, let's say, a childhood cancer. One in two men and one in 2.4 women are expected to have cancer in their lifetime. You see some of these other statistics here on the page, but did you know that the fastest growing rate of cancer in the world today is glioblastomas in folks 24 years and younger? And that we also have a resurgence of lymphoma and leukemia in our pediatric population again, and that the fastest growing rate of colorectal cancer is in folks under the age of 35. These are horrifying statistics to me, and it's amazing to me that we do not ask why. So we have to dive in a little bit deeper into this. Cancer itself and many chronic illnesses are not a, a, a thing. It's not like you went to bed healthy and woke up sick the next morning. It's a process. And it's not unavoidable bad luck. For instance, tumors are simply symptoms of underlying imbalances, and most of them have been going on for upwards of a decade before they're big enough and loud enough to let us know this is what's going on. And so they'll manifest differently from one person to the next, and yet we still treat them very much like everyone gets the same treatment, typically surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. And that, frankly, isn't enough. And so we have to take a little step back. A lot of people think they are a sitting duck and that cancer, as we used to understand it, was a linear process. 
progressively accumulating mutations, all based in the DNA, based in DNA genetic damage. And yet what we've learned is less than 5% of all cancers have a true somatic DNA genetic underpinning. And yet the emerging understanding of cancer and frankly, all chronic illness is that it is a metabolic process. And we're going to dive in a little bit deeper to what that means in a moment. And that also segues into how low-dose naltrexone and mistletoe have a keen role in how we address this. But basically with metabolic theory, addressing our whole terrain um, is far more effective than addressing just the tumor alone. And the way we manipulate the microenvironment within us is how we halt or slow progression and even reverse disease progression in all um, conditions, not just cancer. And I'd love to open this next discussion into um, understanding how we've gotten off our path, how far we are from what was normal for our physiology, and how we need to return ourselves to a basic level of balance and rhythm. And this quote by Rudolf Steiner is about bringing the rhythm and repetition back into our lives. We've gotten very far away from that. And Rudolf Steiner is an important person to have for this quotation because he and Eva Wegman, a medical doctor um, in the 19th 1920s brought mistletoe into the way it is being used today over 100 years later. So backtracking to what has gotten us out of rhythm, okay, and this is why it's so important to know, is that basically we are broken down at the mitochondrial level, okay? So we're awake at, at times when we should be asleep. We're sitting on the couch too much or we're over-exercising. We're trying to stay completely temperature controlled at all times through the summer and the winter. Um, we throw loads of medications into our body that damage our mitochondria, and we eat at really crazy times, and we eat all of the time um, in a place where we are all overfed and undernourished. We have just accumulated into our proverbial bucket, which we can call our mitochondria, all kinds of things that are impacting it. So things that cause inflammation, blood sugar imbalance, immune dysregulation, which is where we're going to spend the majority of our time today, and of course, toxicant burdens, hormonal imbalances, et cetera. These are the things that I am looking at when I work with someone is to see what's inside their bucket and help clean it out and restore that rhythm. And so I want to just throw this little slide image in here for you of the mitochondria. These are the little powerhouses, the little energy factories within our body that get us up out of bed every day and have us move through the day um, under our own volition. And when that bucket gets filled up, these little cells get really sick, or these little powerhouses of our cells, I should say, get really sick. And it's at this cellular level at the mitochondrial level, that when they're damaged, we are more susceptible to metabolic imbalances, then we become more susceptible to DNA damage, and that is what leads to a cancerous process. So I'm trying to help you understand that we need to be paying close attention to these little powerhouses, and we need to restore their proper function and efficiency and even number of them in our body. And things like low-dose naltrexone and mistletoe, besides what we clean out of that bucket, can help restore that rhythm pretty quickly. So 
I review with every person I'm working with what's going on in their bucket. I look at their symptoms. I look at their labs. I look at their epigenetic hiccups. I look at their diet and their lifestyle, and I look at what possible things they're adding to the bucket that might be directly damaging the mitochondria, such as spraying Roundup on the pesky weeds in their garden or taking antibiotics prophylactically for world travel. You know, those are really things that we take for granted that are very harmful to what we put in on and around our bodies at any given time. And so exploring those things and taking a good history from folks helps me know what is needed to bring them back into balance. So you have the background now to understand why um, why we are now having this discussion of why working on your immune balance and restoring the rhythm of the body is what ultimately prevents disease, treats for disease, and cleans people up from the disease process and treatment that they've had. So that being said, Back in the beginning, like early stages, Hippocrates' time, let's take it all the way back to the father of modern medicine, um, he said that he could give me a fever and correct any disease, cure any disease. And so we knew that heat in the body was a profound way to provoke um, a healing reaction. We also knew that certain, you know, letting, not suppressing natural body rhythms was also something important to our health and well-being. Into the 1920s in the United States, William Coley, who was part of the Memorial Sloan Kettering, started to find that uh, giving somebody basically a bacterial infection to spike high fevers was driving back cancerous processes. And at the same time, across the pond, Dr. Ida Wegman and the philosopher Rudolf Steiner were realizing there was a therapy that created a fever-mimicking approach in the body that rebooted, reset the rhythm of the chemistry of the body to start to fight off and ward off disease. That was mistletoe, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. And then flash forward to just 2016 in this country, in the United States, we started getting excited about the concept of precision medicine. And the initiative of this precision medicine movement was primarily focused around immunomodulating therapies, funneling millions and millions of dollars into therapies that can help the immune system. And I bring this up because it wasn't that long ago where my colleagues and I were ridiculed for our belief and approach to healing the immune system to help people overcome illness, in particularly cancer. And yet today, it is all the rage. We're talking about how best we can use immune therapies to heal cancer, and we're funneling tons of resources into this, and the cost of these medications can be upwards of a million dollars a year for patients with less than a 20% return on investment, if you will. They don't have great outcomes, and they can have terrible side effects because we're overshooting the immune system because, frankly, doctors were not trained in immunology. And so before the, the, doc, the Joe Biden Precision Medicine Initiative, back in the 1980s and 90s, Bihari's work started to show the power of immunomodulation himself with the use of low-dose naltrexone in immune-compromised um, patients. And that 
was also kind of an aha moment for many of us working in the field of medicine um, to start to realize that there was something to working on the immune system to help treat and prevent a lot of terrible diseases. So what is immunomodulation? Immunomodulation simply is the modification of the immune response by agents that either activate or suppress the function. And I want you to remember this now and why I spent so much time on the why and how we got here is because what goes into that bucket of you, what is impacting your mitochondria directly impacts your ability to respond with an immune response, to have a robust, normal immune response. Most of our illnesses today are because we have broken immune responses. We have too much inflammation. We have dysregulated circadian rhythms and rhythms in general in our body. Our hormones are all upside down and inside out. How many of you fall asleep with ease every night and sleep through the night and wake refreshed every morning without an alarm clock and have normal two to three healthy bowel movements every day and normal um, menstrual cycles and eat seasonally and within your own region and are completely in tune with the nature cycles around you. We don't see much of that. Most people today average less than 15 minutes a day outside. Talk about being out of rhythm. And so to me, this is quite profound when you start to recognize that we can, in fact, have impact on restoring rhythm, even with biological modifiers such as low-dose naltrexone and um, mistletoe. And so I just wanted to show this immunomodulating um, image of a person's all the different lymph organs and immune organs within our body that include the spleen, the lymph nodes, the bone marrow, but also our white blood cells specifically that are made in things like our thymus and in our bone marrow. Our immune system is dependent on these areas functioning well. So um, that being said, where we start to look at where we go out of balance is this idea of the teeter-totter. This is a big oversimplification here, but TH1 and TH2 are like the teeter-totter of our immune system. In essence, when TH1 is dominant, we have autoimmune conditions, or when TH2 is dominant, we have cancer conditions. So instead of pushing the button all the way on or off, which we tend to do with pharmaceutical agents, Things like mistletoe and low-dose naltrexone work right in the center of that teeter-totter on the TH3. This is the balancing act. We need to think more of a dial, a volume button dial versus an on or off switch because we need our immune systems to focus in different arenas at different times for different, you know, for different conditions. So sometimes we need to have a TH1 response, okay? Sometimes we need to have a TH2 response. And what this comes down to is when you think about the immune system in general, we have our, what's known as our innate immune system. 
This is our non-specific immune system that takes up residence in our natural barriers like the skin and the mucous membranes. Um, we also have our adaptive or our specific immune system, which is basically our response, the recognition and response and remembering of things that it's exposed to, such as viruses um, and chemical agents and whatnot. And we need both of them working properly all of the time. But what's interesting about our innate immune response is it doesn't have memory. And so in essence, things like low-dose naltrexone and things like mistletoe are harnessed or used to harness a robust um, immune response that needs to be gently stimulated frequently and gently over longer periods of time because the innate immune system has no memory and basically requires exogenous or outside of you input to keep things in balance. And it does so by kind of like a metronomic stimulation. So sort of like a, a ritualistic circadian rhythm balanced way. And these therapies really lend themselves to that. So I just think it's interesting when you're thinking about the teeter-totter to also think about how we can input information to set the course right in our body again. Because of this group, you're all well aware of low-dose naltrexone um, and its implications in immune enhancement, autoimmune disease, brain and uh, nervous system inflammation, cancer, psychiatric disorders. In fact, Susie Cohen, a pretty famous pharmacist, says that low-dose naltrexone helps you tolerate yourself. And it does so by functioning on that center of the teeter-totter that we just described here on the TH3, so the T regulatory cells. And so it acts as like a referee to an overzealous or aggressive inflammatory response. Unfortunately, the pharmaceuticals we're using today to offer immune therapies and cancer and other conditions push the teeter-totter really hard one way or the other, and it blows up in our face, and we sort of ignore the referee in the center. So things like low-dose naltrexone and mistletoe work beautifully as the immune system referee. You can review the mechanism of action on low-dose naltrexone. Again, all the speakers have probably presented on this, but in essence, this is the refereeing we just talked about. What is more new for many folks is the mistletoe extract. Okay, this is where I want to spend a little bit of time um, to bring you a, an awareness of what is known to be the oldest and most studied integrative oncology therapy in the world with thousands of studies worldwide with several hundred of them considered high quality RTC studies with great outcomes. But basically this semi-parasitic plant um, has contains lectins, contains these little biological modifiers, but when they interact in an injectable form with the B cells in the dermis of our skin, we inject them subcutaneously into the abdomen or the leg, depending on the person and the situation, upwards of several times a week, we can inspire a massive sort of um, balancing of the teeter-totter effect that I described earlier. And very similar to the mechanism of action we see at the low-dose naltrexone, we are modifying overactive and underactive immune processes. So overactive immune processes are when we've got autoimmune conditions happening. Underactive and when we have cancer 
conditions happening. And frankly, most of the patients I see today have both of them. Maybe they have them simultaneously, both autoimmunity and cancer going along at the same time. Or both of their, their immune systems so wiped out for so many years of conventional interventions such as chemotherapeutics and radiation that their immune system doesn't respond either direction. So in those four possibilities of a TH1 dominance or a TH2 dominance or a TH1 and 2 dominance or a TH1 and 2 deficiency, low-dose naltrexone and the viscum album extract, also known as mistletoe, can really come in and save the day. And frankly, these therapies have been utilized in conjunction with, not in um, retaliation of or in or against your other therapies. They work as like a team. As I like to say to a lot of my patients, these work well. They all play well together in the sandbox. Okay. And so with folks um, using in Europe, if you're diagnosed with cancer and you live in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, or Italy um, and France in some situations, you have upwards of a 70 to 85% chance of using mistletoe at some point in time during your cancer diagnosis um, or during the cleanup process of your cancer treatment. All right. This is how we overcome the depleted immune system, the broken down immune system that got us into that diagnosis to begin with. And so what we're finding here is not only do we know that it helps uh, the conventional therapies work better, this semi-parasitic plant that's injected into the body also lowers the side effects of those medications. And even into studies around palliative care, it extends life 40%. And in a study of over 3,000 patients, it extends the life, the longevity, the survival rate 40% more than people who did not take it. That is a pretty significant finding. And when we talk about treatment in cancer, we talk about response to therapy. That doesn't mean cure. And frankly, I don't believe there is a cure because we all have cancer cells all the time. But what we know with the mistletoe is that um, it, people who utilize it anywhere along the way in their, in their treatment, they will have a 70 up to a 70% response rate, meaning that 70% of the people will have some pushback on their tumor burden, some extension of life, definitely improvement in a lot of their laboratory values, and definitely improvement in their survival rate. So a little bit of history of this beautiful plant. Um, again, we know it as a semi-parasitic plant that grows in particular trees. If you actually um, look around you in nature, especially in the winter months when all the foliage is leaving, you might notice these kind of balls of, of, of um, foliage growing in the trees. And those tend to be little mistletoe parasites. And they tend to grow. There's over 3,000 species around the world. But the ones that we have studied the most with their relationship to treating cancer are the pine, the ash, the apple, and the oak trees. And these tend to have a, a, the collection of chemicals that seem to be the most immunomodulating. And so what's interesting about the mistletoe is it defies nature. It is the only plant in the, in the plant kingdom that never touches the ground. It's, it's 
it never touches the, the earth. It grows inward. It grows from the outside inward. It gets deposited on, sort of grafted into the tree limbs by the excrement of birds, okay? So basically the birds eat the seeds and then they kind of poop on the branch and it then grows off these little mistletoe parasites and they grow inward. And interestingly enough, to show you that kind of law of similars concept or the law of signatures concept, these grow completely out of rhythm of the rest of the plant kingdom. So for instance, they grow maybe one or two leaves a year and they fruit in the winter. This is really opposite of how a lot of our other plants move. And so when you think about that, that idea of here's a plant that's totally out of rhythm and how it, amazingly it restores the rhythm in us, it kind of makes you scratch your head that we started to just pay attention to the law of signatures um, and started to utilize this as a therapy, an injectable therapy for cancer since 1917. So it has a very long, very well studied, very well tolerated, and very good price point, similar to our friend low-dose naltrexone, that has made this a very popular therapy around the world. And so I really like that people like um, Rudolf Steiner and his philosophy just sort of was an observer of nature and what's around. And so that's where when he saw this sort of out of rhythm, you know, plant, that resonated with him to realize how out of rhythm our bodies are when it comes to having a chronic illness such as cancer. And interestingly enough, a little ancient folklore about mistletoe is a sprig of mistletoe was given to people that went into the underworld to resurrect the dead. So it has a very interesting old, you know, um, uh, mythologic history as well. And then many of us are familiar with it as being the kissing plant. And we stand under it and kiss in the wintertime. But this also came out of kind of the Druid and ancient beliefs of the resurrection, the bringing back of the light, because it's in the darkest of the days that we're celebrating Christmas, and this is the plant that we kiss under at that time of the year, but it really is about bringing back the light, bringing back the rhythm, bringing back the harmony. So similar to what you saw, the mechanism of action for low-dose naltrexone, you are going to see almost a complete overlay of the mechanism of action of the mistletoe lectins. They can drive back angiogenesis, which feeds um, vasculature to tumors. They stabilize and repair DNA that has been damaged, secondary to damaged mitochondria. In fact, um, there's been a lot of use of mistletoe injected into the thyroid gland of people who were harmed by Chernobyl with some amazing uh, outcomes overcoming thyroiditis and even um, papillary carcinomas. So it's pretty interesting to see how it can even repair damage from such uh, uh, ionizing radiation exposures that we've had out there. And a lot of folks will find this really enhances the effect of their radiation treatments and helps clean up the rest of the tissues. It's anti-inflammatory. It modulates pain response. It overall enhances the quality of life, especially on the mental well-being and the lifting of fatigue. This probably sounds very familiar for all of you who've been utilizing low-dose naltrexone personally or professionally in some time. 
What you will notice here is that it does need to be given in an injection form. It's been utilized subcutaneously, intravenously, intratumorally, and even put into the abdomen or the lung for treating ascites or pleural effusion with great efficacy. Um, the reason why it doesn't have the same uh, outcome when we take it orally is that those lectins are very vulnerable to the gastric acids and get broken down so we don't get the medicinal you know, mechanisms of action that are desired in working with someone with a chronic disease process such as cancer. And interestingly enough, just like low-dose naltrexone, where at first we started using it in patients with AIDS, then we started realizing, wow, this seems to help people with autoimmune disease. And then over time, we realized it had great implications in cancer. The same thing is happening almost backwards with, with the mistletoe and that we started out using it for cancer, but now we're starting to see it has powerful implications in autoimmunity as well as co-infections and also mental emotional um, uh, you know, imbalances as well. So I think that there's another sort of synergy here. And what I've learned in using both of these medicines in my practice since 2003 was that they have, like I said, here's kind of their overlay. The mistletoe and the LDN both have anti-inflammatory uh, uh, implications, even on the central nervous system. We think, and we've got more studies to do here, that mistletoe in, um, impacts the endocannabinoid as well as the endorphin system. We already know that low-dose naltrexone does that. We absolutely know that both are immunogen um, immunomodulating and adaptogenic. And these other random pearls of, of um, using things like the mistletoe to sort of dissolve the biofilms in patients with Lyme disease has been hugely beneficial. And then my folks with Lyme that's gone into the nervous system and into the brain, bringing the lotus naltrexone in with that, I've had unbelievable outcomes with people that have tried everything imaginable in the treatment of their chronic um, Lyme, you know, conditions and mistletoe coupled with the low-dose naltrexone has made a huge difference. The other thing I saw when I started working with folks is I would often start with one or the other of these therapies first. And I still do that today in practice because I will bring on the sister drug, if you will, or the sister supplement or sister support if and when I hit a stall point with either mistletoe or low-dose naltrexone, it's like I can give it a bump. So perhaps if I have a 60 to 70% response rate, if I then add low-dose naltrexone, if I've been using mistletoe, or mistletoe if I've been using LDN into the mix, I will often bump somebody up who's maybe been in a plateau or started to progress or recur again, and we've been able to really stabilize and turn things around. I learned a lot of that application from my mentor, colleague, and friend, Dr. Neil McKinney, who was a, is a cancer researcher in Canada, but has also been using mistletoe and lotus naltrexone for several decades at this point, and very powerful way when you bring them together, they seem to have a, a, an added synergy. And so the piece I guess I want to leave you all with is that when we start to talk about the applications of using mistletoe or using LDN, I spent a large amount of our time talking about why we've gotten to the place where we are today and why perhaps certain therapies such as chemotherapy or radiation or even such therapies as antibiotics or antidepressants or other pharmacological agents 
or ineffective, it's because our buckets are full. We are out of rhythm. We have lost connection to ourselves and other. And so when we quote Dr. Eli Jones of the 1920s, who was an early uh, 1920s oncologist, we've forgotten the message that he was sharing with us in his book, which was that do not get so taken up by the cancerous condition that you forget the most essential part of your treatment, the general condition. And if I had to guess to what low-dose naltrexone and mistletoe therapy bring to the table for the benefit of my patients, it's that it strongly supports the overall general condition and restores that, that much-needed rhythm that allows our other therapies, cytotoxic, more aggressive therapies, to hit their mark more effectively and to prevent the patient from going down that road ever again. So I've left for you some references specific to low-dose naltrexone as well as to mistletoe, so you can go down many rabbit holes to see what other therapies um, these might stimulate uh, use for you in your practices. Um, but I hope that this was helpful to understand that we do have um, some powerful therapies that are very inexpensive, very well tolerated, can work nicely on their own, but tend to be a wonderful addition for any therapies you might bring to the table to, in treating cancer and chronic illness. Thank you so much for your attention and be well. Thank you for listening to this presentation. All past conference presentations can be found on our website, www.ldnresearchtrust.org.